back up to that first step. Uh, it's uh, not even collapsed too far, but uh, it's adequate to get back up. Roger, we copy. That's a pretty good little jump. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. to church in the wild thank you for worshiping with us today i love that song man that song is awesome it is it's incredible it's humbling um i was thinking about that as we were we were singing like literally there are days where i feel like man i really i really got some things i can offer day at god and then there there are days where i'm like all i can bring him is a hallelujah there are days where I'm like, man, God is so good, and I want to do all these things. And there are days where I'm like, I just can offer him praise. And um, I love that song. I think it really speaks well to the, um, the humility that is required when we come before God. An understanding of at our best, we are broken, humble people. At our very best, the things that we build are broken things. And so sometimes we come to him with, man, I, God, I want to do this and I want to do this. And some days we come to him on our knees, literally on our knees and saying, all I can do is thank you for who you are today. And I think that God sees that. I think that God loves that. God loves cheerful givers, the Bible says. God loves those who come to him with a, a, the Bible calls it a contrite heart, a humble heart. We're in this series called 321 Step, and I, I hope you'll come to every week of this series because this series builds on itself. And so if you're not able to, um, to be it every week, uh, I would love for you to be here on January 29th. That's going to be a very important Sunday service. It will have worship, we'll have all that, but then we're going to do something very important. So I'd love for you to be here for that. A couple things before I jump into uh, the Bible today. Groups resume the week of, of the 22nd, and it's very important to be a part of a, of a group. In a group, we study the Bible together as friends, and that's so important. We can have Varying opinions about what they should, look, this looks like, what this looks like, but there is almost nothing more important than gathering together with friends and studying the Bible. And then we have women's ministry coming up on, I believe it's the 25th or the 26th, and then we have men's ministry on the 28th. Those are once a month opportunities for you to gather together with guys, hang out, gather together with wives, hang out with ladies, hang out, get to know each other better. Uh, and then also, we, we do study the Bible in those as well. In men's this month, we have a friend of mine. His name is Aaron Taylor. He pastors Living Hope Church, which is here in Columbus. And um, Aaron has one of the biggest hearts. And um, I make fun of him regularly, saying that he needs to start working out, uh, kind of like I do with Jesse. Like anytime that I, if you're, you're new here and you're like, man, this guy makes fun of Jesse, I'm totally being sarcastic. Jesse is in better shape than me, right? And this pastor is as well, but he's a great guy. We, uh, we have a good time getting to um, talk together as men and then jump into that. And then um, this series, like I said, is building on itself. And the idea for this series is that if I'm willing to take a step, our church can take a step. And we said in week one that vision comes from God, and it comes from a place of care for others. How do you know that someone has a vision that is for God? Well, is the vision about them, 
Is it about, man, I need to do this. I need to be the one. Or is it about caring for others? And we, we, we talked about a myth last week when it comes to generosity. And that myth is that only kings can be generous. But then we said generosity is about who we are, not about what we have. So now look with me at Ezra chapter 3, Ezra chapter 3. This is verse 1. We're going to look at a couple of different passages today. Ezra 3 verse 1, when the seventh month came and the children of Israel were in towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. Then arose Jeshua, the son of Josadak, with his fellow priests. That is so important. If you like to underline things, if you like to circle things, if you make notes, if you journal, maybe you put them in your phone, maybe you text someone like, hey, you need to hear this, um, you know, circle that word uh, priest right there. And Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltile, with his kinsmen, they built an altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Look at this, verse 3, they set an altar in its place. Why? For fear was on them because of all the peoples of the lands, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord. Burnt offerings morning and evening. Now look at Ezra chapter 3, verse 6. From the first day of the month, of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, but the foundation of the temple was not yet laid. So they, this is talking again about the priests, gave money to the masons and the carpenters and food, drink and oil to the Sidonians and the Tyranians to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea to Joppa, according to the grant that they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. Now in the second year, after their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Zodazak, Jodazak, made a beginning. That's a really important word as well. Together with the rest of their kinsmen, the priests and the Levites, and all who had come to Jerusalem from the captivity. They appointed to the Levites from 20 years old and upward to supervise the work of the house of the Lord. And Jeshua with his sons and his brothers and Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together supervised the workmen in the house of God, along with the sons of Henadad and the Levites, their sons and their brothers. Now look at Nehemiah chapter 3. Nehemiah chapter 3. We're going somewhere with all of these names that are hard to pronounce, I promise. Nehemiah chapter 3. Then Elishab the high priest rose up with his brothers, the priest, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and they set its doors. They consecrated as far as the tower of the hundred, as far as the tower of Hananel. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 28, last one, Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 28. Above the horse gate, the priest repaired, each one opposite his own house. This is a very important part of Nehemiah, and it's a very important part of Ezra. Now, I got to like explain a little bit of it to you before we jump into it. Ezra and Nehemiah are books that are closely associated in chronological time. Ezra happened a little bit before Nehemiah. But the idea of Ezra and Nehemiah is the same, is why God put them together. So Ezra is a book about all these priests making sure that the temple 
and, and the altars and all of the things of the house of God are rebuilt after they've been destroyed. If you know the history of these people, their temple had been absolutely destroyed. Everything was burnt to the ground. They had no walls on their city. They had no houses. They were living everywhere. But the priest began to be generous, and the priest began to work, and the priest began to give, and the priest began to build, and they began to lead the people in this way. This is important because Nehemiah then comes along after this. We talked about Nehemiah last week. He comes along and he says to the king at that time, hey, the walls of my city are broken down. So people can't worship like they ought to. People can't be safe like they should be safe. And so I need you to help me go back and build the walls around the temple, around the altar, and around the houses of all the people who live nearby. And this happens, and these people, a group of slaves, rebuild the walls in 52 days after they had built the temple and the altar. And this exposes a giant myth in American Christianity in regards to finances, in regards to generosity. And that myth is, if I give God my time, my gifts, or my talents, or offerings, then I don't need to give him my tithe. This is a huge myth, and it looks like this. Well, I already serve, so I don't need to be generous. Well, you need to be generous to me because I'm a Christian. Well, I don't need to do that because haven't you heard me sing? I don't need to do that because I preach, so I'm good. This is a massive myth in American culture. We begin to build ourselves up as people who are better than others. This happens in the house of God. We buy right into cultural lies where we say to ourselves, well, that's good for you, you should do that, but because I have a, a title or because I have this or because I go to church on Sunday or because I do this, I don't have to do the things that everybody else should do. But the priest modeled biblical generosity by serving God first and then being generous to others. They served God, yet they were generous to his house and to the needs of all of those around them. I just, the priests were, were surviving off of 10% of everything that people brought in, and the people who were bringing things in were slaves. Think about that for a minute. They weren't, Westerville average household income is $96,000 per house. The low end of it, if you live in Westerville, is $75,000, and the high end is one hundred and five. dollars these people were not living there. They were slaves to a terrible, evil empire that the Bible throughout the Bible regularly refers to them as awful people. Yet they, they were taking care of the priests and the priests were going above and beyond showing generosity to everyone with anything they brought in. Now, at Church in the Wild, we do giving a little bit different than they did. You, you, may, you may want to bring one out of 10 sheep in or one out of 10 cows in if you, if you want to. If you sell cars, you may want to bring one out of 10 cars in. That might be how you prefer to do it. But typically, we do something called giving here. And a lot of times, we do giving talks. And when I don't mess them up and put the wrong one, like I did last week where I just kept repeating the mistake over and over that I was trying to say, if I do the right ones, what we say in there is, hey, you can give to God here at Church in the Wild. And here's what we mean by that. 
At Church of the Wild, we have occasional givers. These are people, if they hear the song and they're like, "Woo, that was good. I like that song. They break out their phone or they break out their checkbook and they write something and they stick it in the offering box. So they break out their phone and they hit it on tithely. And this happens, these people will give like two to eight times a year. Then we have people who would be considered frequent givers. These are people who give regularly like every eight weeks, every six weeks, every seven weeks, something like that. It's pretty consistent, but they don't really give 10% of their income to God. About half of our giving in, in Church in the Wild is that. It's the frequent giver. It's someone who's like, yeah, uh, every week I'll give you $20. That's a frequent giver, but it's not a tither. So a tither, biblically, is someone who gives the first 10% of their income or their, what they bring in to God. So if they bring in uh, 100 ears of corn, they, they take 10 and they bring them in and they give them to the priest. Okay, that's the idea of tithing. So when we in our Church in the Wild giving talk say you can tithe the Church in the Wild, this is what we're referencing. Now, this is not an easy thing to do. It's difficult. It's difficult. Sometimes it's hard to be like, God, I got this many bills to pay. I got this many things to take care of. I got this to take care of. You, you want me to, to, to do that? That's difficult. But then we have people that we would say are generous givers. So generous givers are people who say, man, I, I tithe automatically. That's just going to happen. But above that, I'm going to occasionally or frequently give gifts on top of that. When the Bible uses the word generosity, that's what it's talking about. Now, right here, there's always an argument. Oh, yeah? Well, that's Old Testament. The super Christian breaks out their, their Bible, and they're like, I read about it. It's the Old Testament. And Jesus, he didn't. What Jesus actually said to the Pharisees, you tithe down to the kernel of grain. And we expect that he would say, gotcha, you don't have to do that. And he says, such things you should do. But don't forget the loftier matters, which is your heart. What Jesus was saying to the Pharisees there is, hey, I want you to tithe. I want you to be generous. But don't do it out of a legalistic reasoning of, well, I've, I'm going to do this to show to people that I'm better than them. In fact, when Jesus talked about being generous, he said, don't let your, your, your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Be so secretive about it that no one even knows that you're being generous. So the priests model this by serving God first, and they do so for a really interesting reason. It says that they do this, they build an altar first because they're afraid of all the people around them. Now, this is odd. In our culture, this is odd, because what do we do if our country is afraid of the people around us? Well, we build more missiles, we build more jets, we build more bombs, we get more guns, because we're afraid. But the priest do this. They, the priest said, listen, we're constantly under attack from everyone around us. So what we need to do, we need to have a worship service. This is what the priest did. Before Nehemiah ever came to work on the walls, the priest said, hey, the first thing first, I'm the realist, we need to build an altar to God and have a worship service to him. And we'll burn offerings all day and all night. Why? Because generosity is a weapon against darkness. 
Generosity is a weapon against darkness. Here's the simple truth. If you don't like what's going on in your culture or around you, take care of the altar. And it pushes back against darkness. Just going to say something. If you don't like drag queens twerking and having an abortion in front of your six-year-olds on a stage, be generous to the kingdom of God so that it continues to grow, so that it can push back against darkness because that is darkness. And I don't care if I get in trouble on the gram for saying that it is darkness for a full-grown man to dress like that and perform an abortion on a stage and require school students to go to it. That's darkness. It's darkness. And if you don't like what's happening in culture around you, be generous because it pushes back against darkness. Why? Because that man is loved by God. God loves him. And he needs somebody to tell him that God has more for him. He needs someone to tell him that exactly who you were born as is the man that God loves. And he can't do that. If there's no church anywhere near him willing to say, hey, dude, we love you. There's more for you. There's more. Our culture is pushing to destroy families. The secret is not to build walls. The secret is to be generous to the altar and then remind culture, hey, there is a God he is love. He defines it. And he has a bright future for you. And he cares about you and he loves you and he wants to save you. Someone did that for you. You're here today because at some point in your life, someone said, I got to be generous. Now, back in the 80s, there was like these movies called, um, I think they were called Left Behind, right? I think they were like the original Left Behind where there's like a lady running down a train track and there's a helicopter chasing her. And as a kid, I was like, why can't the helicopter catch her? I always wondered that. And man, my parents were like, the world is crazy. And now we look around. It's crazy. Everyone is hating everyone these days. You ever wonder why everyone hates everyone? It's because we stopped using generosity as a weapon to fight against darkness and to love people who are hurting. The church stopped being the ones who said, hey, we got a God. He died for you. Let me tell you about him. He wants to spend eternity with you. He created you. He made you. The church stopped doing that. Instead, we started building walls and said, hey, I'll just not go to church anywhere because you know what? I don't get along with that person six rows over. I don't like that they wore a Joe Burrow jersey today to church. This isn't a football game. We stopped loving people. We started building walls. We said, I can sit in my house and watch online and I don't need anyone else. And ironically, the more we do this, the less generous we are. This happened at our church. Man, we, we shut down for a long time because of COVID. We were like, we got to do what we got to do. And you could watch as, as people stopped attending 
we had like this huge surge in numbers on Facebook. And then all of a sudden, it was like six weeks where people weren't around other people, and all of a sudden, generosity plummeted down to like 20% of what it was. Why? We weren't around each other. Generosity is a weapon against darkness. Generosity pushes back against darkness. The priest built an altar, but gave generously too. And this is what they showed us. Serve how you can, but be generous so others can serve in ways that you cannot. I always tease Cam about this. I knew they were going to sing this one song today. I'm like, dude, you need me to sing that? He said, yeah, you're, you're up for Sunday night. You got the Sunday night service. And we can only be in this building until one, so sometimes we got to hustle things a little bit, so there's no Sunday night service. And I always tease him about that, but the truth is I can be generous so that others who can sing and can worship and can lead people in worship like I cannot, can. I can be generous because, you know what? The people over in the uh, children's wing are saints. Like, they're saints. My daughter is a hurricane. She is. And there's like 30 hurricanes in one room. And you might be like, I'm never stepping foot in that. But there are people who love kids, and they love investing in kids. Man, ah, I thank God so much for Mark and Beth. So often, because my daughter comes home and she's like, oh, Mark told me about Jesus today. And I know Mark, the dude cave dives, he has a forge, he's like the ultimate male. But he lets my daughter kick him in the shin sometimes and he tells her about Jesus. And he gives the next generation an opportunity to hear about God. Not everybody can do that. And not everybody has to, but they can't do it if none of us use generosity as a weapon against darkness. Because my daughter needs to hear about Jesus, and she needs to hear about it from someone besides me. I want her to hear it from me, but she needs more than just me. I'm a pastor's kid. I know how it is. You hear about Jesus from your dad every day of your life, and you're like, cool for you. And then somebody else says it, and you're like, oh, that makes sense. So Isla needs Mark. She needs Beth. She loves Beth. She brought Beth this thing, this, this picture she drew, because she loves them. And so I can be generous to the kingdom because they can serve God in ways that I never can. Generosity grows us. As soon as the priest began to give, the kingdom grew. And this is a big, big thing that we say in America. We say, well, I'll wait for God to grow, grow me, and then I'll be generous. There's, you know how many times I've, I've had people tell me, if I win the Powerball, you're getting 10%. I'm like, I'll take 10% of anything you've got right now. The odds of winning the Powerball are lower than you getting struck by lightning twice in the same day. So I'll take the 10% now of what you have generosity grows us. If you're waiting for God to grow you before you become generous, you're going to keep waiting. Well, when I hit the Powerball, when I get more, when I have more, God says, when you give more, I grow you more. That's how God's kingdom works. Take care of the five talents, I'll give you 10. Hide the two and I'll give you no more. 
And yet we keep hiding the two and holding it back from God. This is my money. And then we're thinking, why doesn't he give me more? God's saying, I'm waiting. Your growth is waiting on your generosity to catch up. Growth is waiting on your generosity. And I am not, we are not a mega church. We never want to be. I'm not a prosperity gospel person. God doesn't always just going to give you thousands of dollars just because you give 10. That's not always how it works. And the people who tell you that are lying. The, 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 the apostles of Jesus gave their 10% and then they promptly got killed. Sometimes that's how it goes. But God does grow us by giving us wisdom and knowledge and gifts. The priest gave goods, times, talents, and generous gifts, and God gave grace, guidance, and growth. We miss out on what God has to give us because we refuse to give to him. We just refuse. And I said this last week. It's a little bit like, I won't use you this week, Jeff. I used you last week. It's a little bit like Dylan coming to me, and him and John are like, dude, we got 500 bucks. You want 500 bucks? And I'm like, yeah, I, I got to put gas in my vehicle, and it's going to take me 500 bucks to do it. And then a day later, they walk up to me, and they're like, hey, can you pay for coffee? We, we need a cup of coffees. And I'm like, no, I'm not giving you any money. This is my money. That's a little bit what we do to God. God gives us everything we have. And then we say, ah, I think I could do a better job with it than you can. I got it. Thanks for giving it to me. We miss out on what God has to give because we refuse to give. But every simple step of faith is an opportunity for God to do more. When you take a step towards generosity, you free up God to make room in your heart and to move mountains in others. Every time you take a step. And this is the message today. If you're, if you're an occasional giver, we're thankful for that. We need that. We need that. Someone, someone said one time, what do you need money for? I'm like, because we, 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 we have to pay bills. We have to do things. We have to pay people. We have to buy chairs. If you're an occasional giver, we're thankful for that. But would you take a prayerful step towards becoming frequent as a giver? And if you're frequent as a giver, would you take a prayerful step towards becoming a tither? And if you're a tither, would you take a prayerful step towards becoming generous? And if you've never gave, would you take a prayerful step towards giving for the first time? This is what we're talking about in this series. If we are willing to take a step, our church can take a step. I'm not here to say that if you give $20 once a year that we're, we're mad at you, we're thankful for you. We're grateful for you. Every step is an opportunity for God to do more. But generosity does require vision. It's interesting that in, in Ezra and Nehemiah both, God gives Ezra the priest and Nehemiah the, the, the worker a vision. And they begin to, to work and they begin to, they begin to work, they begin to be generous, and then people who are their enemies come along and say, hey, we'll give too, but... And both times, both of those leaders were like, no thanks, we've already got a vision. We don't want yours. And we also have a vision. It's called Doors and Disciples. And part of that, that we're talking about this week, last week we talked about stepping into the door of the future. This week we're talking about stepping next door. And we already do this quite a bit here, but we want to do even more. Uh, 
many of you know, now I lead the FCA in, at Westerville Central, uh, the basketball team. So uh, on, on every Wednesday, there's 17 boys and three coaches, and God has given us this door to walk through with them where I get to go in. Uh, two weeks ago, I, I sat down, asked them all, what matters to you? They began to sh- say, this matters, family matters, this matters. And then one of the boys said, I'll be honest, God matters. And I was able to share the gospel with 17 boys and three coaches because the boy said, God matters. And that's a door that's wide open for us. The director of the local FCA said, dude, you guys are crushing it, and we want you to do the football team next year. So now we have an opportunity in the fall and in the summer or the winter to be in a public school around us pouring into children who need it desperately. But not only that, we also work with Out of Darkness. Out of Darkness has rescued over 250 human trafficking victims since we joined them. This is incredible. We also partner with Stowe Mission. Stowe Mission works hard to provide health care, dental care, vision care, food for people in need. We also partner with something called Lifeline Mission. Lifeline Mission is this incredible opportunity. You, you, you pay some money, you put together some food, and it sends it to countries overseas of people in need. We do something called Wildlife Week. Wildlife Week is important here. Wildlife Week is where we begin to do, we do sports camps in our neighborhood, and we love people in our neighborhood because sports camps cost $500, and not everybody has $500. So we give free sports camps to children in need. And this is crazy. Uh, December 7th or 8th, my wife and I went to eat at a restaurant. We sat down. We started, we started eating. There was a guy across from the table from us. He was like quite a ways away. But he kept looking at us and then starting to like talk to us. And there was a guy in between making like some food. And, and we were just kind of chatting. And we got up. We got finished. We got ready to leave. And he said, hey, I know you. How do I know you? I'm like, I have no clue. Hopefully not from cutting you off in traffic. <laughs> like, I don't know. He said, oh, I know who you are. You're the guy that does the sports camps. You do the wildlife week. And I said, yeah, yeah, our church does that. He said, the first one you ever did, my dad was dying. And my son, who's, who was sitting with him, was so depressed. And the summer was just going to be awful. And it was going to be terrible. And I wanted to send him to a sports camp, but we couldn't afford to go to any of them. And then we saw yours, and my kid went to your sports camp, and he said, my kid's life changed because of the sports camp. He got to play sports because that he wanted to play sports at school. He got through the summer that was the hardest summer of our life because you had some people who were generous with their time. Thank you. That's what it's about. This is what it's about. So this year, we have opportunities to do more of them. We do something called Northern Nights, which is a way that we just kind of pour into our community. We do missions trips. We do them here. We've done one in Dayton. We did one in Brazil. We did one at an Arapaho Indian Reservation. We've done them in Detroit. We pour into people next door. We work with Send Relief. Send Relief is a, a, a group of people. Anytime there is any natural disaster, they are the first ones there with food, water, help in order to care for people. We work with Send Network. Send Network plants churches all over our city. Why? Because we're not in competition with other churches. We believe that we need more churches, so we give them money as soon as they arrive. There's a church that started two weeks ago. That was their first week. They moved into, guess what, a dance space because I talked to them about moving into a dance space, and we gave them some money, and they planted a church. We work with many of these groups, and I'll be honest, God's given us a vision to do more. He's given us a vision to do more. 
And it sounds like that might be hard to do more. But when I take a step, our church can take a step. When I take a step, our church can take a step. When I'm willing to just take a step towards generosity, God can do so much more. So much more. Abundantly above all that we ask, think, or imagine. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. We're building towards something. The last Sunday of this month is going to be just a special Sunday. It's going to be special. It's, going to be, it's just going to be incredible. As a church, we need to take a step. We survived through COVID. We survived for a little while after COVID. It's time for more. It's time to push more for the gospel. It's time to give the gospel more. It's time for more missions trips, not less. It's a new year. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. God's given us a vision called Doors and Disciples. I believe in it. I believe in it. I think it's got, uh, God has a huge plan for us as a church to accomplish so many things. And just a simple question. Are you willing to take a step? Are you willing to take a step? And I know it's uncomfortable for me to talk about it. Some of you are like, you're like, man, this guy, you're talking about money. I've been here two weeks and all he talked about is money. We, we preach through the Bible here. We are a Bible people. That's what we do. But God's given us this vision. God can do so much more. but he moves through people. Someone said to me last week, well, I don't think you should ask for money. I think that's wrong. I think you should just pray for a billionaire to move. Okay? You pray for the billionaire. Our church could take a giant leap with 16 families who gave financially. Well, until they arrive, we all have to take steps because we can't fit the 16 families in this building. So all of us have to take a step so that God's church can take a step. It requires a vision and God's given it to us. The only question is, are we willing to take a step? I'm going to ask you all to stand to your feet right now. Maybe you're here today and the step you need to take is actually a step that everyone needs to take. I know I said some hard things today. God came to this earth. He lived a perfect sinless life to save us. He created us and we broke it. And since then, everything we've ever tried to build has been broken. We try to build bigger and bigger and bigger and it's just more and more and more broken. But God sent his son, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you so much that he came to this earth to die for you. If you just accept him, the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word all in the Greek means all. It means anyone. 
That means all who say to him, Jesus, save me from my sin. I realize I'm a sinner and I need you. Save me. He accepts and saves. And his Holy Spirit moves in and he begins to do a work. And all of a sudden, they're different. Life begins to change because of Jesus. So the step that you might need to take today is to say, you know what, I realize I need Jesus to save me. The step you might need to take today is a step like, I'm already a believer. I already follow Jesus. I've already accepted him as my Lord and Savior. I need to be baptized and let the world know about that. Maybe it's I need to join a wildlife group. I need to start getting around other people. Stop building walls and start building altars. I need to join a wildlife group. I need to join one of our ministries. That might be the step today. Perhaps the step is to give, take a step in generosity. That might be the step today. Whatever step it is for you, this church loves you, our Savior loves you, and we are for you. So what I'm going to do today is as they sing Lion, I'm going to come down to the front like we did last week. I'm going to pray. We don't have to pray about money if you don't want to pray about money. We can if you want. If you want to pray about, man, I really need the Dallas Cowboys to win a playoff game, we'll pray about that. Whatever it is you need to pray about, I'll pray with you today. But I would encourage you, the steps of a good man are established by the Lord. What's your step? What's your next step? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church. Lord, thank you that you put us here. You called us here. You called us together. The enemies, just like in Nehemiah's day, they try to rip people apart. I noticed you. They start to say things and divide people, but you called us together to do great things for you. God, we as a church want to take a step. We ask that you also take a step. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for choosing to worship with us today. As we get ready to close the service, we always like to remind you that you matter. You matter to God and you matter to us. And we're so grateful to be able to gather with each and every one of you today. Maybe today the Holy Spirit was leading you in the sermon to take a step in one of these areas that we talked about today. Perhaps that step is to become a first-time giver to Church in the Wild. Maybe that step is to go from being a first-time giver to being a regular giver to Church in the Wild. Maybe that step for you is to go from being a giver to becoming a tither. A tither is someone who gives the first 10% of their finances to God. Why? Because God can do more with our less than we can with our more. Maybe today that step is to go from being a tither to being someone who gives generously. So you give your tithe, but you also give your offerings above and beyond all of those things to God. If you'd like to take a step in any of those areas today, you can do so in a couple ways. Number one, you can text the word give to the, to the number on the screen. Number two, you can scan the QR code that's on the worship guide that you received. It should have been on your seat as you came in today. Number three, you can go to citw.faith. You can pull down the three buttons on the right and click the word give. And number four, you can place cash or checks in the offering box that's in the Connect Center. Speaking of the Connect Center, if you'd like to take a step in any of the other areas of your life, perhaps that step for you is today is the day that you're going to choose to follow Jesus. That's awesome. We're grateful. We'd love to connect with you and talk to you about that in the Connect Center. Maybe you already are a follower of Jesus, but it's time to choose to take that first step and become baptized publicly. Maybe the step for you is to join one of our wildlife groups Join a community of believers as they they gather together and discuss the Bible. 
And those groups begin January 22nd. And so you can also find information about that in the Connect Center. Maybe it's time to join a once a month ministry, a men's, a women's, a student's, a mom's ministry. You can also have answers for that. You guessed it, in the Connect Center. We believe that everybody, no matter where they are in their spiritual journey, no matter how young or how old, or no matter where they came from, we believe that you have a next step in your spiritual journey here at Church in the Wild, and we want to equip you to take it. And so I believe that everyone's next step begins in Connect Center. In Connect Center, you'll find information about base camp. You'll find information about Ascent. You'll find information about groups, about ministries, about giving. You'll find information about missions trips and all the other things that we do, all of the, the devotionals, all of those things. All of that information is in Connect Center. So I'd love to see you in there after the service. We have volunteers specifically there to connect with you and help with you. You can ask any one of them any questions you have. Always remember, church, that you matter. Thank you so much for coming today. Uh, we're going to say this quick prayer over you. And I ask that as I say it out loud, that you pray it in your hearts today over your own life. It is Hebrews 13, 20 through 21, and it reads, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Remember, you matter. Jesus matters. Details matter. Have a great rest of your week. We love you.